Hey everybody, this is Nathan here. The episode hasn't started yet, but I have a precursor kind of thing, and it will help me give it to you. Precursor? That's not really what I want. Prelude? I don't know. I have an explanation for what you're about to hear. And Brandon's here. Hey. And Jake's here. Yo. And guys, what is it that happened on this episode that makes me feel like we need to explain what they're going to hear? Hey, well, you know, this episode was going to start with baggage check and uh, did, and it never ended because there is a whole lot of baggage that Brandon and Nathan bring to this particular book and a lot of stories to tell. And so we told them and we decided it was worth taking the time and space to tell them. And an hour later, we were we still hadn't gotten to the book discussion yet. And we thought, oh, well, maybe we should cut this. Maybe we should do it over. Or maybe, you know, you guys will find it interesting and helpful. And we'll just come back next week and get into the book discussion. And that's what we decided to do. That's what we did. So if you just like cold, hard literature discussions, this episode, not so much that. But the next episode will be that. Next episode will be nothing but that. It's certainly no silliness at the top. No silliness at the top. No silliness Never. at the bottom. And when no, are we ever nothing silly? personal either. No. No. Sure. No, it'll just be literary we're just gonna analysis. Go, we're going to go metaphor by metaphor. Metaphor by metaphor. <laughs> we'll be here bird for the next six years. Yeah, for the next six years. <laughs> by the way, did you guys know that movie trailers, do you know why they're called trailers? Because of this book. Because they used to come after the movie. Oh, that was my second guess. Yeah. Well, listen to the episode, folks, and we'll be back next week with more. Is there going to be a trailer for this or something? I don't know why I thought of that. It felt like it tied into what we were saying. (laughs) (laughs) I have no idea where that came from. But folks, you listen now, and you listen good, and you'll hear some fun stories, including my favorite story from my life. Uh, That's sweet. Yeah. (laughs) Shut up, Brandon. (laughs) Coming up next, a little dose of magical realism. We're still trying to define it. Midnight's Children by Psalm and Rushdie. Welcome to the Big Thing. My name is Nathan Roberts, and I'm your humble reading host. We've got Brandon Chastine right there. He's the scholar who's a baller of reading. He's Ghost Brandon. He's a saucy dog. Ooh, saucy. And <laughs> and we've got Pastor Jacob Mensel. He can also be a saucy dog. He can be a saucy dog, but he's also the pastor who's a master of reading. Right now, he's wearing a green hood. He always reminds me of either Strider or that character from that video game that assassinates people. Assassin? Mario? Assassin's Creed. That, okay. Assassin's Creed. Yeah. Dude. Yes, yeah. Mario. <laughs> I'm going to go with Aragorn. Mm-hmm. Strider, yeah. yeah. Guys. I'm a hobbit man, so. Are you a hobbit man? I live. I'm a hobbit man. <laughs> I'm a hobbit man. You're pretty hobbitish. Yeah, I'm hobbitish. Yeah. He, 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 true story, Brandon was smoking a pipe. And Before he came in here. Jake, with his giant elephant nose, yeah. managed to notice sniff it, it out. sniff it out. The moment he walked in the room. The moment he yep. walked in the room. Riddles. Because it really takes a lot to <laughs> smell pipe smoke on somebody. Oh, yeah. This is the episode we're going to do on Midnight's Children. All right. The one where we talk about it. And I don't know. Let's just get into it. Did I say who I am? I'm Nathan Robertson, your humble and obedient host. Yeah. All right, guys. Oh, no. The airplane's going over. That it is. Indicating yep. baggage check. 
the part of the show where we talk about our baggage. Jake, we'll start with you. What baggage, if any, did you bring to Midnight's Children? You hate just, Indian just a food. Lifetime of loving literature, Nathan. A lifetime baggage <laughs> that I brought to this. I, I, a lifetime <laughs> of loving literature. Yeah, that's it. That's all I got. That's the only baggage I got. <laughs> Don't fall off of your high horse, yeah. there, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> just a lifetime of loving. That's it. That's all I got. That's all I brought. Jake is it. pausing for the photographers now. <laughs> yeah. The photographers the, as opposed to the photographers. The photog- you know the photographers. Lifetime yeah. of pronouncing things properly. Yep. Anyway. Any, well. Yeah, I don't, I don't have any history with Salman Rushdie, and I don't have any history with magical realism that I'm aware of. <laughs> you say you don't have history with Salman Rushdie. <laughs> Sounds like he, <laughs> <laughs> he didn't no run previous, over your dog or anything. no previous relationship <laughs> right. of any sort whatsoever. Apart from the fact that he has been to Bloomington a couple times, and it's possible I've run into him in the you know out of out you, and about. Yeah, you never know. You wouldn't know. They all look alike, as Jake likes <laughs> to say. You never know. Yeah. Disclaimer: Jake does wow. not like to say that. Jake has never said anything I've, like that. What I meant was that I've never read anything prior to this book. I'd never read anything by Salman Rushdie, and I have. N- very limited. If I have any experience with magical realism, it is Stephen Milhauser, who may or may not qualify, depending on who's telling the story. What about so, Indian culture, Bollywood? I'm not a fan of Bollywood pictures. I have seen some Bollywood pictures. I was a religious studies major, so I've studied Hinduism and a little bit of the different kinds of Islam that would be throughout that's not nothing. India. It's not not nothing. So I bring some of that to this book, and a little bit because of that, a little bit of knowledge of Indian history and culture. I missed something. Did you just say that you used to be Islamic? <laughs> yes, Brandon. Yeah, that's okay. what he said. That's what <laughs> okay. I said. I've... If you ever wonder why Jake pulls out that carpet and <laughs> <laughs> prays facing Mecca <laughs> oh. five times a day, yeah. <laughs> that's the reason. Uh, uh, okay. So anything else that you want to share? Um, Do you like curry? Yeah, I had curry for dinner tonight. Actually, hey, there you go. Yeah. As made by Mrs. Menzel. Yeah. So I, yeah, I, I like curry and some of the more Americanized Indian foods. I guess I don't know. Me too. Never been. But that's about it. That's Jake's baggage. Have, a fine baggage. There was a Cademan's Call album called "Share the Well," where they like did the Peter or not the uh, the Paul Simon thing, where they were gonna like do a folk album and. Also do like indigenous music and use indigenous music in their way. And I listened to that album before and got some <laughs> fake Indian music. Oh, okay. There you Let's go. see where this Perfect. is going. Okay. <laughs> That's like... <laughs> I was trying to figure out how this is related. Brandon looks so disgusted. <laughs> no, Cademan's just... call, Brandon hangs up. <laughs> you have to hear in- India sing a sing about Mother India and his like yeah. weird nasally voice and you know, uh, stuff like that. Cademan's call, man. Sing about free and the delete and what was their song? What was the song by them? I depends on the album, man. <laughs> like, what was their important song? I, what was the song that Brandon would know? Thankful, Forty Acres. Oh, Thankful, yeah. Okay, okay, I know them. Table for two. Is that Thankful for the Acres or Thankful <laughs> yes. and then a song called Forty Acres? <laughs> so thankful, thankful for the Acres. <laughs> hey, hey, uh, Brandon, what is your baggage with this book. Okay. I forgot what we were doing. I what question. 
Fun fact, guys. I guess I need to give a shout out to my students because they have been asking for the name of my podcast and for various reasons. I have not told them. Mm -hmm. And (laughs) they just announced on Teams that they discovered the name of the podcast. And now I have a feeling that they're all listening. So hi, students. I have actually, as late as yesterday, talked to one of your students who says she has listened to several episodes and was a little hurt by some things that you had to say. Really? Yeah. Hi, Brandon students. And um, hopefully I have never said anything on any of the podcasts. You have. That I wish I hadn't said. Hi, garbage. <laughs> <laughs> hey, idiots. <laughs> have I said things that are... I, I don't know. No, probably not. I've mentioned them before. And to be fair... Certainly never in any disparaging way. It's my right. AP students. Great students. Mm-hmm. All of them. this will kind of give you a feeling for how my teaching style is uh i've probably said nothing on the podcast that i haven't said to you guys yeah. in class <laughs> <laughs> so um what? Beautiful thread haven't done that in a while Go oh ahead. yeah spiritains and days gone by spiritains and days gone by what am i saying my history Your with this book rusty oh man nathan there are three books that i have read more than five times Cat in the hat comes back yep three novels that are of significant length that I have read more than five times. Boxcar Children. And we are doing Pizza two mystery. of those. We're back doing to back. Two of those back to back, yeah. Right? Yep. Yeah. This one, mm-hmm. War and Peace, mm-hmm. and David Copperfield. Mm. Which, why we didn't do David Copperfield, beats me. We did Bleak House instead. Yeah. yeah. I do believe that was my such choice. a good choice. Some, I, uh, somewhat influenced by the feelings and thoughts of one Brandon Chastain. I like Bleak House. Yeah, uh, I do what am I talking about? My history with this book. Your I read this book. this book first on the in recommendation. So I think I've mentioned this fact before. We were a part of a international exchange student program or something. I forget what they call it. Inter- international student ministry at our old church. And we had an, an Indian student come. Mm. To I heard s- your dad talk about yeah. this. Yeah. I actually have a sari that she bought for us when they threw a big Indian dinner for our family and for our entire church. It was amazing. It was really good Indian food. She came to study English literature at TCU, and so she became very close to our family. She and a uh, Brazilian student who came to study music, and they were both, they all, they kind of fought over which path I would follow. Would I be a musician or would I be an English literature studier? (laughs) (laughs) So in some of the the Jane Austen books, I've brought those little versions of the Indian. Yeah. She she bought those. Yeah, those are yeah. cool. Yeah. So that's where those came from. You got to put a picture of one of those on uh, the old Instagram. I will do that. When, when you get a chance. And she told me that I should read Salman Rushdie, that I would really love him. And so I read him. Um, I think I was 15 at the time. Oh. And I loved it. Yeah. Probably wasn't the greatest book for a 15-year-old boy to be reading. Probably not. But still, I read it and it, it was like... I had never read anything like it because up to that point, I had just been reading a lot of the classics. Now, this is interesting. I don't, I can't remember now whether I read it before or after I read War and Peace for the first time. Interesting. I can't remember. But they were both two very significant moments in my discovering books outside of Dickens that were better than Dickens. And what was it about Midnight's Children that you found so <clears throat> consciousness expanding? Uh, I think his storytelling abilities. The LSD that he took beforehand. Yeah, yeah. The LSD. The shrooms. That you- <laughs> <laughs> Definitely the shrooms. Lots and lots of shrooms. The characterization, the writing style, 
the narrative style, the storytelling aspect to it, and the way that the magical elements fit into the plot as well. Um, all this was just unlike anything I had ever read. It was, yeah, it was great. It was a new, I'm gonna, this is going to sound so silly, but it was like a new way of looking at books for me, a new way of understanding novels and literature, something new. Like you, you now understood that books could do things that you weren't aware that they could yeah, do. Yeah, so up to that- Magical realism had its effect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, up to that point, I had read a lot of Dickens. Like I said, I had read a lot of other books as well, but this was my first kind of postmodern book. I had tried to avoid too many modern things because I thought that they were just bad, like mm-hmm. it was garbage. I thought of it like Stephen King, and that was beneath me. I wasn't yeah. going to read Stephen King. Not a big Thomas Pynchon fan. No, I never really got into any of that. So I think I mentioned on the book ending before, one of my blind spots is I've never read Catch-22. Right, and stuff like that. That's fascinating. I wonder whether we'll do that on the bookening. I think yeah. it might be a little naughty for us, but on the other hand, it is Catch-22. kind of feels like we should do it at some point. Yeah, but as far as modern literature goes, I never really got into it. That wasn't my thing. And so I read it, and I think that there also was an element of the forbidden to it as well, mm-hmm. that these were things that I, there were aspects of this that just, one, there was some darkness to it. I liked that. I never was attracted to horror but that weird mystery behind it, which I think was the magical realism aspect, attracted me. But also just these, the forbidden stuff that I shouldn't be reading. Mm-hmm. But I loved the book and I've read it many times. And then I got to grad school and a lot of things happened. And I had a huge change of heart and a moment in my life where I rethought everything that I had ever thought up till that point and decided that Salman Rushdie was so influential and essential. So, I guess I need to paint this picture a little bit better. Yeah. There were two books in my teenage years that like David Copperfield got me into loving books, but there were like two books that like, I think matured my imagination suddenly. And that one was War and Peace and the other was this one. And so they were like huge books for me. Like they made me just know that literature, I wanted to be, well, it's like that quote from Salman Rushdie. What I wanted to be more than anything else was I wanted to be a writer, right? I wanted to be a storyteller mm-hmm. like that. But if not, if I couldn't do that, then at least I wanted to read books the rest of my life. I wanted to try and find these things and people like him. And that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to talk about these. I wanted to read these books and find out ways to do that. And yet, Brandon, if I may introduce a little suspense into your narrative, you have, I believe, on this very podcast, if memory serves and it might not, said... We will never read Ben Nye's Children because it is bad. We have, yeah. Not bad in the sense that it's a bad, poorly written book. No, just that, that it's, it's wicked. It's naughty. So I got to a point where literature was my idol, obviously. And so God brought me to a point where I had to face that. And one of the victims, one of the things that fell, one of the, th- of the idols that went crashing was Salman Rushdie. And he was tied to all sorts of bad feelings and bad memories. And what am I trying to say? impressions and just realities of my past that were bigger than the book, actually, and the wickedness in the book. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there there are things that, in I think everybody's life, lives that, for whatever reason, get, you know, associated with period of your life or sins of your life, and they end up taking on a lot of that personal baggage, and it can be something as simple as a song. It probably is, for most people, a song that may not... M- when you you get down to it, it may not be actually as bad as it is to you and all of the associations and emotions and memories that it calls up because it represents this period of your life or this person or whatever. And a book can have that kind of thing too. 
And so that's what it was for me for a while, for probably, man, six or seven years. It was just a part of my past. So the other thing that I associated it with was what actually is wicked, which is Gabriel Garcia Marquez. Yes. When I, which, to be honest, I wish he wasn't so wicked because he may be the greatest pro stylist to have ever lived. He's a genius. Yeah. The only writer that I think that rivals him, he does what Tolstoy does. He writes like Tolstoy. Mm-hmm. I think that's fair to say. And we'll never, we actually never will do Marquez. No, we're not, we're not coming back, turning around on that one. Um, I you take all the kind of incesty stuff and stuff like that in Midnight's Children and you amplify it by about 50 and you've got Marquez. And explicit. Yeah. And all the sex stuff that's questionable at best in Midnight's Children, you take that and you, you make it much more perverse and much more prominent. And yeah. that's all Marquez is. It's gross. And so that's the way it was for a while with me. And I just had come to terms with the fact that as important as Salman Rushdie and Midnight's Children was to my imagination and to how much I still owed to him for understanding what I loved about literature, storytelling, and I would just never read him again because he just it wasn't healthy for me. Then comes a character into my life that I'm completely out of left field, was not expecting, and she's now very important in your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one Meredith. Yes. At that she, time. She will figure in my baggage as well. Yeah, Meredith Wall mm-hmm. at that point. The incandescent. And one of the first discussions I ever had with her was telling her why Midnight's Children was wicked. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and she fighting against that. And I think my points at that time were still valid, the warnings that I was giving her as a young student enchanted by the humanities and all that. Mm-hmm. So I was just trying to warn her the way that I wished that I had been warned. But eventually, Nathan falls in love with said Meredith Wall. She convinces Nathan to read Midnight's Children. And then that's going to be part of your baggage. But let's just say that that then convinces us to revisit the question. Mm-hmm. We decide to do it. A lot of other work is going on in my life that now has led to certain things and changing with me. Mm-hmm. Me being able to go back and I don't know how to say it. <laughs> things that I gave up for a while because they really were idols in my life. God now restoring to me. Mm-hmm. Just put it that way. Yeah. So that's a good way to put it. And so he made me, he put me in the wilderness for a while and it was fine, but you get to go back and it's, it's really. Yeah. I was, the defining idolatry of my life was when I became a Christian was baseball and sports. I'm a pretty all or nothing kind of guy when it comes down to it. So I knew exactly one way to repent of that idolatry and I walked off the baseball team. Yeah. And I stopped watching everything mm-hmm. and participating in everything. So I have this like blank period in my life where I actually don't know. Like there was this like obsessive period in my life where I knew all the stats, uh, you know, I was up with the standings, I was up with the stats, I was up with, and I knew historical stats going all the way back to pre-1900s and sports was my life and it was, you know, my ambition and and then... I quit cold and I I have this big period of my life where uh, I was vaguely aware of who was in the World Series and or who was in the Super Bowl. And then God gave me kids and I was able to begin processing some of that stuff in a way that was healthy and now I've got sports back in my life and yeah. uh in a way that I think is healthy and is trying to be more healthy all the time. But no, that's one to one, but I think that we all have. It's my, I feel like my story's exactly the same. I have such a strong feeling of 
there was a time in my life where I idolized art and creativity and I wanted to be a novelist and I wanted to be a filmmaker and I wanted to be this and that and humor, all these things. And I just, I had to give every one of them to God and say, do with, <laughs> do whatever you want with me. I don't have to be any of these things. And I was very imperfect in the way I gave those things to God, but I did. And now I get paid to create stuff and it's super fun and awesome and it's your it's title just, literally is creative director right and i get i i you know i don't know anybody that actually like nobody in my social circle actually gets paid to just like make stuff up and create stuff the way that i do and it's just it boggles my mind how blessed i am i think in all three of our cases it's like we let go of these things and then God's just like really super awesome and generous. And, you know, he doesn't always give us back these, you know, I'm not going to promising anybody out there that if you smash your idol, you'll get it back tenfold. But I think all three of us can testify that we did. Yeah. And it's just really, God is really kind. It's awesome. Yeah. It is amazing to watch him work. Yeah. So I never thought, I mean, I was resigned to just running a business. Right. Well, in, okay. So the, you're, back in the PhD program yep. and you were ABD mm -hmm. and you're working on your dissertation, but also not to pat me and Nathan on the back at all, but isn't this pretty fulfilling oh, little gig very, here? Yes, yeah. Like, yeah, I was never, never in my wildest dreams. And I had some pretty wild dreams that were just <laughs> silly. Right. No. Yeah, you're right. And in, in my wildest dreams, I would have never have thought of the bookening, mm -hmm. but here we are. And I would not give up the bookending for anything. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think that's the, the a, that's kind of the interesting. It's thing. A satisfying of. Uh, I, go ahead and say what you're going to. Well, say. I was just going to say I don't think Jake probably imagined sports occupying the type of role that they do in his life. Now, I certainly no. didn't imagine being a podcaster. Brandon's doing something. We're, we're all. All of our desires. I'm a little league coach, baby. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? exactly. All of our desires have been transformed, yeah. and we are none of us what we imagined we would be. But it's just cool that God was able to not just make us repent out of everything that we love, but also in his kindness, use what we love. I don't know. It's just cool. I don't know. I don't know that I have anything much more profound to say about it than that. But I just, I don't know about, you know, what all of your ambitions actually were. Exactly. I mean, we've talked about them, but I can't imagine a more satisfying literary experience than being able to sit and be forced to read a great book each month and talk it through with two people are, that are smarter than me, like you do, Brandon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, no, I, I, I mean it sincerely. You know, that, I think that's really cool that I get to do that. And yeah, mm -hmm. a lot of fun. It is a lot of fun. Yeah, it's, it's and awesome. would be more way more fun than being some dumb university professor. Yeah. Yes, I get to talk about books I love. I get to prepare context and read books on them. Mm -hmm. Things that I would have done for class. It's great. Yeah. And I get to teach my wonderful high school students. <laughs> yeah. Who are all listening to this now? Yeah. Apparently, the dumpster Hi. fire, as I yeah. believe you call them. <laughs> yeah, the dumpster fire. That's right. <laughs> Those brats. Right. <laughs> the blithering morons. Is that what was the name? No, Brandon loves you guys. He just I'm, wishes you knew how to read. Yeah. I'm um, so glad you guys found the podcast. Right. <laughs> uh, now you can actually begin to learn how to read. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. This class begins. Uh, this is a PhD course, though, baby. Duh. Yeah, this is. is a PhD course. When we're finally wrapped. 
when we put the wrap on our 20th year mm-hmm. and the booking is done. <laughs> yeah, no, well, we're not. We're, we're, we're going for 30, baby. We can do that, yeah. yeah we're, we're, How many years are we in now? Four? We're, we're four and we got 26 to go. Yeah, we got that. 26 to go. Jake doesn't know about that. <laughs> I'm just wondering if I'm going to live that long. <laughs> I hope I live that long. 26 that'll, years? I'll be 61. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's all right. We'll see. Lord willing. Lord willing. Us on the other hand, Nathan, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Jake's the one that's worried about mortality. <laughs> <laughs> one person that's not, this in any kind of shape that's not a blob. <laughs> this wart that is a mole. That yeah, with the Whatever hair. the thing is that can <clears throat> reach across the table and touch Brandon is, you know, may turn out to be cancerous or something. So. I certainly hope not. Appreciate that. <laughs> I do too. I, I hope also that. hope that you don't have cancer, Nathan. Yeah. Oh, that's <laughs> well, sweet. I, I, and the yeah. same for you, Brandon. Thank I hope you. that you don't have cancer. Thank you, Jake. Yeah. You're welcome. Right. Great. Uh, guys, I feel like we've gone pretty far afield here. Brandon. Yeah, how many minutes are we into this episode? Uh, now? I, this we, is baggage check. It's no, supposed to be personal. You know what? I'm I'm not cutting it out. I just feel like I need to ask, do you have more baggage? Do you want to talk about? I think my baggage ties into yours now. Mm-hmm. Rushy was never going to be a part of a dissertation or anything like that. He never was. No. So my dissertation, and that's that's the other fun part of this story, mm-hmm. is my dissertation originally was going to be about Flannery O'Connor mm-hmm. in the South. In Cormac. By the way, we just kind of skated over. This is the official booking announcement that- No, we've, we've, we've said it before. Not get cut out. Um, <laughs> Brennan's getting his dissertation. Yeah, I'm going to finish, guys. He's not going to be an ABD. He's just going to be a D. I am going to be- <laughs> A D, that's right. I'm gonna be a D. <laughs> you know what? It was well meant. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not editing it out. Yeah. Um. <laughs> yeah. And so two chapters will be heavily influenced. Well, the whole dissertation. And as it progresses, I'm sure we'll tell people about what's going on. Yeah. With we'll, we'll fill people in. I'm excited about the idea. I'm excited and for you. Two of the chapters. One chapter will be on Rushdie and one will be on Ishiguro. Should the booking review your dissertation when it's done? Should we do an episode? <laughs> sure. You can provide some context on the author. And... Yeah. That, yeah. Wouldn't that be interesting? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's really hard to put him into a literary category. <laughs> <laughs> I, think I we found should... this letter from B.H. Fairchild. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, okay. Any more context with uh, Mr. Rushdie? Is it actually Rushdie? Rusty. Rusty. Yeah. That's how I've always I've, said I've it. said rusty, I think, this I whole time. Too, I, think but I have rusty. no idea. Let's, let's, yeah, let's, let's, let's figure it. it out. Let's do it. That'd be awesome. He's one of your favorite authors of all time. And <laughs> it, wouldn't be first, it wouldn't be the first time I've ever done something stupid like that. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a Rusa day. I told you guys the story. Well, the, the first time I ever presented in front of B.H. Fairchild, I presented on yes. um, <laughs> junk. <laughs> I forgot about that. And he took me aside Carl afterwards. John. He was very, he's a sweet old guy. And he said, Brandon, that was a wonderful presentation, but it, you, not junk. <laughs> junk. <laughs> Good old Carl Jung. Carl Jung. <laughs> Salmon Rushdie. How to pronounce Salmon. How to pronounce Salmon Rushdie. Pronouncenames.com. <laughs> Salmon. Salmon. Rushdie. Salmon. Rushdie. But it's Salmon. Salmon. Salman Rushdie. Salman Rushdie. At least I had the last name right. Yeah. Old Sal. Sal. Old Sal. Hey, Sal. Hey, Sally. (laughs) How's it going, Sal? Hey, Sally. (laughs) Okay. Uh, So I guess I should get my baggage, huh? Yeah. So not this most previous summer, but the one before. We were at a church picnic. It was in the middle of July. (laughs) Nathan just threw his wedding ring across the studio. Yes, I did. 
thinking about the... It may or may not... That action may or may not relate to this story. No. It uh, may not symbolize the frustration he has as to the results. <laughs> <laughs> Woo, wow. Hey, whoa. That's not very nice, Brent. Well, let's fill the listener in on uh, the, the painful daggers that you're sticking in my throat here. So, not this summer, but a summer previous yes. to the summer. Exactly. Right over there. Yeah, right over there. From where? Across the street. Across the street. There was a church picnic. That this church picnic was a cute young thing that I'd had my eye on. Brandon Chastain. When Brandon Chastain. Yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> Wait a No. The mysterious phantom also has a thing for... <laughs> no, he doesn't. The mysterious phantom as heterosexual as Wait a come. second. He has a thing for Bradley. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no. There was this uh, young lady, this beautiful young lady that had been coming to our church uh, since the beginning of the summer. And I'd been a little interested in this lady because she was, uh, frankly, attractive, in my opinion. And I was like, I, I got to get to know this lady. And her name was Meredith, the incandescent Meredith. And she starts talking to old Brandon. Actually, I think this was Jake's fault. I think Jake, Jake, yeah. Jake, Jake told. I did it. Jake had had. So Meredith had, had like hit our church like a comet. She was a part of everything. She'd been to Jake's house. It hit it like a comet is a... Yeah, that's one way of putting it. Yeah, she's like, uh, she's an extrovert. Let's just say that. She's like Captain Marvel showing up on the scene. Yeah. But if, if, but if Captain Marvel was likable. <laughs> yeah. I actually, that's actually not a bad way to describe Meredith. Yeah. She's like Captain Marvel, if Captain Marvel yeah, was likable. She's the girl that's going to be like, I'm spending the summer in Bloomington. I'm going to be here for two months, <clears throat> you know, doing some project at the university. And by the time I'm done, well- Within the first week, I'm going to get to know everybody, and by the second or third week, I'm going to be like in people's homes and babysitting and serving and helping do this picnic. And by the time yeah. I leave, everybody's going to know who I am, and I'm going to know everybody, and I'm going to cry and miss everybody, and because mm-hmm. I'm just all in. Yeah, yep. That's the kind of person that Meredith. Is. I'll choose the best of them and marry him. Um, that's right. So. There was one person that she didn't know, though. Best of them. Yeah. Well, you know. Yeah, well, you, you guys were already judgment married. Judgment Um <laughs> So, but there was one person she didn't know, and it was me, yeah. Nathan Alverson. But I'm like, this Meredith chick has hit the scene, and every, she's the talk. She's the scuttlebutt of the church. Everybody knows her. She's babysitting. She's in people and so on. And so on. And I, I can't help but notice that, she, you know, she's got legs. They go all the way to the ground. She's pretty. So... Jake has her into her home. They uh, somehow they get to talking about Midnight's children. I guess. Yeah, that must have come up. I don't know, but somehow Jake knows that she really likes Midnight's children. Jake clocks that. Oh, that's something that Brandon knows a thing or two about. Significant for Brandon. Yeah. Um, also, something that Brandon might be able to pound some sense into her because Brandon's. Uh, but I I know nothing about. It. I've not read it. So right. Just like you know, you need to talk to Brandon. Well, that's a Brandon it. thing. So at this church picnic. I'm kind of stalking Meredith a little bit because I'm really interested and I want a chance yeah. to get to know her. He was and hiding I, behind the bushes. I'm hiding behind the bushes. I'm peeking out from <laughs> behind. But Nathan, this is just creepy. Little pulls. <laughs> no, I actually went and sat down at the same table with her and she immediately got up to go serve ice cream or something like that because I don't know. It was oh, it was it was sad. sad. But I'm also kind of trying to play it cool, including with myself. I'm like, Nathan, you're not really interested in her. In fact, I ended up talking to some other chick at the table, and I told, I patted myself on the back, like, oh, you shouldn't. Anyway, important. It's interesting to me to hear you tell it that way, because it was like, Nathan at the time was like, ooh, Meredith Gross. Right. And I, and I, and I would have 
said that even if you'd asked me in the moment. And even if I was being honest, I would have, I was lying to myself. I wasn't lying to you or anyone in particular. I was only lying to myself. I was like, I'm not really interested. But meanwhile, she's like the sun and everything else is like uh-huh. the night sky. She's in Technicolor. I just notice her because I'm infatuated. Uh, who could, no no reason to keep it a secret anymore, right? Um, this is a fun love At this story. juncture. What's that? This is a fun love story. Yeah. So anyway, Jake says, hey, Meredith, you should talk to Brandon about- Yeah, I know to make it a point at this picnic to introduce Meredith to Brandon because I know that they're going to hit it off. And I also know that if I'm lucky, Nathan will be there. Because from the moment that Meredith came over to my house, I had this thought of, you know- I've not really thought about anybody before that, you know, I've not, I've not met the woman that I've had the thought, this might be the girl for Nathan until Meredith showed up at my house. And then I thought, you know what? She is nothing like what I had imagined or like what Nathan and I had talked about mm-hmm. would be a good match for him. But Definitely they was not a Jane. sure have a lot in common and I, yeah. can, I can see this maybe going somewhere. And so this is like in the back of my mind, but I'm thinking like- We should just say, people can actually listen to an old episode of The Bookening. It's like the third or fourth episode on Mansfield Park, or maybe the second, I forget. It's one of the Mansfield Park episodes. And I say, what do you guys, I say, what do you guys think? A Jane or, or no, an Elizabeth or a Fanny? And I think by the end of the episode, we're That's all right, like- it was Fanny. Yeah, Fanny, Price, Fanny of course. Some, yeah. some boring, demure, helpful, sweet little- no, oh, you got yourself an Elizabeth. Oh, yes, I did, Brandon. <laughs> you got. I think you basically Elizabeth walked out of the pages. I kicked the uh, <laughs> kicked the Fanny to the curb. Fanny's yeah. to the curb, and you kicked Ooh. Fanny and her Fanny. Yeah, yeah. Went for the Elizabeth. Yeah, it was. I could say I don't say what it, all the things that it was, but it was just like it was always going to be opposites attract unless there was the right chemical combination. Chemical kinda, combinations yeah. and. All of Meredith's vibes were just like, I can just see the two of them hitting it off really quick and it going really well. And, but I was, even then I was just sort of thinking, all right, she's just going to be here for the summer, but she's thinking about coming back here for grad school. Maybe she'll come back for grad school. Maybe, you know, a year or two and they'll warm up to each other and figure it. Cause it wasn't, Nathan was still all like, Ooh, yeah, Meredith, gross. Meredith, gross. Yeah, Cooties. everybody thinks she's the greatest. That means she sucks. Yeah. I'm not going to talk to her. I'm going to be that guy that oh, people are going to start are going to start shipping us. That means I will definitely not. Yeah, no, I was and I, I was loud. Jake is not exaggerating. I was loudly dis- <laughs> declaiming my disdain for the entire idea of Meredith and the yeah. entire idea of to myself as well. Yeah, and so but I also know that. And I th- I had assumed that you had read Midnight's Children, and I just I knew that if I directed her to Brandon and you were able to be a part of the conversation, that that mm-hmm. that would be interesting. Might be good, yeah. It might be interesting. To Old see what matchmaker Jake. Yeah. And instead, Nathan hadn't read. That is true. So Brandon starts talking to Meredith, and I use my great metaphor of Dumbledore touching the Horcrux. Mm-hmm. And withering his hand. Yeah. Yeah. Brandon pulls out the Harry Potter metaphor. A lot of classic Brandon going on. Um, <laughs> Rolling your eyes over there. 
No, but I'm just I like- I see the world through literary metaphors. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Brennan just adjusted his monocle for yeah. He's paying attention to So I'm sorry. Yes, I'm sorry, Meredith. I... <laughs> I cannot but help to see the world too. By the way, only the most sophisticated Dumbledore, only the most sophisticated <laughs> literary metaphors for Brandon. Yeah, all British authors are sophisticated. That's true. It yeah. yeah. doesn't matter who it is. It's a British author that he was. So Brandon starts telling the story. J.K. Rowling on a list of magical <laughs> authors who employ magical realism. Oh, by the way, because she's got magic. <laughs> it's, it's just, when I and it seems it, awfully real. Yeah. Yeah. Great. <laughs> so so Brandon starts let's do Harry Potter again. Yeah, let's do That'd Harry Potter again. <laughs> yeah, forget Tolstoy. So Brandon starts telling this, uh, talking to Meredith. Anyhow. <laughs> yeah. No! So Brandon starts talking to Meredith. He starts arguing with her. Yes. And they get into this big confrontation kind of thing. And I'm just there and I'm looking for my entry point. But the whole thing is revolving around Midnight's Children, which I've not read and I'm not overly familiar with. So I'm just like, oh, this sucks. Like, I can't. You'd think this would be such an easy, like, softball for me, you know, talking literature with Brandon and Meredith to get to know her. Also, Meredith being very annoying, not listening to my good, wise, kindly, wonderful friend Brandon at all, but coming back at him about, you know, Brandon is saying, well, we need to be careful, and there are some things that are better not to read. And Meredith is saying, no, I, th- I think you need to read everything, and and, and and also, the thing I remember Meredith saying was- People can get a sense of this sort of conversation with our poetry episode. Yeah, with the Meredith was on. <laughs> yeah. yeah, she's a, what would you say? She's a- Firecracker. She's a firecracker, yes. Uh, love you, sweetie. <laughs> so she, the story has a happy ending if some person doesn't, <laughs> doesn't know that. <laughs> so- the thing it I ends actually, with Nathan throwing his wedding ring across. The <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We're talking about Meredith. That, now. That's the happy ending. <laughs> no, so the thing I remember her saying is, "Elitism is good. I'm an elitist. There, there have to be elitists. Like it's, it's good for some people to be better than other people." And I'm just like, this. "This is everything that I hate." You know, especially coming from a young person that's in the middle of their education and excited. It's just like. That's such a turnoff for old Nathan. He he doesn't he doesn't care for that that kind of rhetoric very much. So his my heart or so I think shrivels up and dies. And I let Brandon finish the conversation. I contribute very little, and I walk away. And Meredith walks away. And Brandon walks away. And Brandon said Brandon actually said something like, "Now oh, she was too pretty for you anyway," or something like that. Um, so even Brandon is like, "Well, okay." That's and I, I wasn't like saying, oh, I wanted to marry her, but Brandon was just like, well, obviously this isn't gonna work. But in classic romantic comedy fashion, opposites attract. And here's the thing that happened: I thought that I did not like Meredith. I think I went to small group the next day and said I had a conversation with Meredith. I am definitely not marrying that woman. It is officially done. Then I think to myself, you know, Nathan, you need to be a cultured fellow. You do a literature podcast you should probably read that midnight's children so that you can has nothing to do with any interest whatsoever in this girl yeah nothing to do with the hot chick just need to read midnight's children so you can so you can talk about you know next time some you know idiot shows up wanting to talk about midnight's children you'll be ready right yeah and and brandon obviously still likes it even though he knows he can't and you know let's Let's give it the old college try. Nothing to do with Meredith at all. Nothing to do with Meredith at all. Just going to read this book. I read it in three days, which is a big book. Yeah. And 
telling myself all the while that it has absolutely nothing to do with Meredith. Then one fateful day, the day before Meredith leaves to go back to her college, she's been down here for the summer. Now she's going to go to Chicago and then- It's to, the very day. It is the very day. I get, I, I take my lunch break at work, which is at the church. I go to Taco Bell. I get myself some delicious Doritos Locos tacos. Mm, the best. The best. I drive back to church. I eat two Doritos Locos tacos. And then I see Meredith walk out of the church. You will recall that I don't care about this, Meredith. I'm not interested in her. I have no interest in talking to her at all. But also, I've heard Jake say that he told her that I'd read Miss Midnight's Children. And so I may or may not throw my third Dorito Loco taco to the side of the car and jump out like a puppy dog and try to walk very casually as closely as possible. And it works. She takes the bait and says, hey, you read Midnight's Children. I may or may not feel very elated by the fact that she took the bait and we're going to talk. Uh, although I obviously am not interested in her because she's an elitist and a snob. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And <laughs> we have a conversation and we talk about things and we... I had also given her a copy of Pride and Prejudice. Yes, this is another important part of the story, which, which I... she had read. Yeah. We, we talk about the fact that she's... Uh, and uh, We talk about Midnight's Children. I give her my Midnight's Children hot take, which our listeners will hear very soon. Not as soon as perhaps they had hoped. <laughs> <laughs> And <laughs> like what, 40 minutes into the episode? You know what? The Bookening is inescapably autobiographical for all three of us. It's a podcast, first about three friends. And I think all our listeners want to hear this story. They do. I hope. They, um, everybody wants to hear. So we talk a little bit about Midnight's Children. She loves the book. It's a fun conversation. And I begin to think, you know what? Maybe she's not such an elitist. She's actually just really excited about the stuff that she likes. And that's not such a bad quality. And then I ask her, okay, so what's your favorite book? And she says, Pride and Prejudice. And I'm like, oh. And it turns out Jake had just given her, given it to her, and she had read it. And um, yeah. Eventually you tell her you think. Well, no, come on. Yeah, well, uh, a little bit more to that, because your actual first thought would have been, oh, no. I bet you don't even understand. No, but we we talk about it, and she she gets it like yeah. her she's she understands pride and prejudice and you know like that's 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 level one of becoming nathan's wife is a reading pride and prejudice b understanding that it's not some socio-political screed feminist screed but is just a great book about relationships and men and women and she gets it and she's sweet and nice pretty and we have this 10 minute conversation in the parking lot of the church and I'm sorry to be a sappy romantic, but I was like head over heels in love by the end of this conversation. I walk away from the conversation. I walk into the church. Jake and another pastor named Alex are in the church and they're talking about, oh, that Meredith, she left. I wonder who, who she'll marry. And I walk into the room and I say, guys, I, I, think, um, I think maybe I'm going to marry Meredith. What do you guys, what do you guys think of that and they're like okay yeah you can yeah cool uh, <laughs> great <laughs> she's leaving today she's leaving yeah. today good timing Nathan. <laughs> so i you waited till the 11th hour yeah, yeah. cool good good luck dude so Are i get to the great line 
Yeah, well, now I'm getting to the great line, yeah, Brandon. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm just dragging it out as long as possible because <laughs> it's one of my favorite stories. You're a great storyteller. <laughs> Thanks, Brandon. Just like Salman Rushdie. Yeah. And then I started to fly. And, <laughs> and your nose grew big. And my, my nose grew. So I, I thought, you know what? I, I'm, I'm going to do it. And I went out into the parking lot and I came up with a pickup line, <laughs> which sounded really cool in my mind. And the pickup line was, I think I might be Darcy and you might be Elizabeth, but there's only one way to find out. <laughs> Will you go out with me? And so I got up the courage and I called her and I always say it was the stupidest. I have never had the experience. People always say time slows down. I've never had that happen in my life. I've been in car accidents, things like that. Time never slows down for me. It always goes faster when something crazy is happening or something dramatic. But in this case, I sat there and watched that dumb catchphrase come out of my mouth. I think I might be Darcy. <laughs> and I'm like, no, you idiot. This is so dorky and stupid. What are you doing? And you might be Elizabeth. <laughs> stop now. No, stop. Abort. Abort. Luckily, there's only one way to find out. I say, hey, this is Nathan from church. And then I say that stupid line. And it takes like nine minutes. And then, so would you like to go on a date with me? There's this long pause. She says, okay, uh, well, uh, that's interesting. I'll... Uh, I'll talk to some people. Obviously, I'd need to uh, talk to some pastors, and I'll get back to you, and maybe we can work something out. <laughs> Instantly, my phone buzzes. <laughs> so Jake and about half a dozen <laughs> other people in our church, pastors, pastors' wives, people like that, all get this text from Meredith. Ah, this guy asked me out. I hardly know him. What should I do? And our head pastor, Tim Bailey, people might know him from lots of things, other Warhorn stuff. His wife, Mary Lee, texts Meredith back and says, you know what? You're leaving tomorrow. So this is actually the perfect situation. If you go up, just do the date. If you hate his guts, you never have to see him again. And if you don't, then, you know, you'll have some time and space to think about it. And that's what kind of puts her over the edge. I believe some other people, I said some nice things. I think all I would have said, I don't remember what I said, was I like Nathan okay. He's a pretty good guy. If you want to say yes, there's then say yes. There's no reason. And if you don't, who cares? That's the sort of affirmation you get when Jake is. <laughs> no, your no, best no. I friend. mean, if anybody, if anybody, does, if anybody's He's taking okay. that the wrong way, it would be completely inappropriate for Jake to say anything else. I like, know. I'm. I'm you know, she's so. looking to him as a pastor. He needs yeah. to say that. Uh, <laughs> although, of course, at the time I was like, "Come on, Jake." Uh, <laughs> I just think it's funny. Here he is, his best friend. Ah, He's okay. Yeah. He's, if you He's want fine. to, you know, yeah. whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. What do I care? <laughs> Whatever you want, Meredith. Uh, so the funny thing is I walk back into the church and I walk past Alex, the, one of the other pastors, and his phone, his butt, he's actually looking at his phone and he's like, uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, yeah, I guess I work fast. Anyway, Meredith decided to go on a date with me. I took her to Barnes & Nobles. I bought her a collection of all Jane Austen novels, one of those Barnes & Nobles omnibus kind of things. All six books by Jane Austen, maybe seven, including Stupid Lady Jane or Sendition or one of those things. And uh, rest is history. We had a good date, and now we are married. And, and the Barnes & Noble no longer exists. That Barnes & Noble no longer exists. But and, your love does. But our love does. Our love is like the opposite <laughs> of Barnes & Noble's. It doesn't get replaced by an Aldi. No, it certainly doesn't. And our love never will be 
replaced by an Aldi and Meredith, I love you, and I am so thankful to Salman Rushdie and Midnight's Till or Salman Rushdie's and Midnight's Children. All right, let's give a let's give our brief statement about the book. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, this has been a long context or baggage or whatever. All right, guys, uh, we might have to do three episodes. Oh, this is a weird. We can't just do an episode where I tell the story of my love life. Hey, guys, here's the other thing. We have not read Midnight's Children, any of us, for a while. You should just understand this. Jake read it back in August. Yep. Uh, preparing to do it when we would have done it. I did too. And I read it fairly recently when I was wooing Meredith or, you know, what I just described. But I've not read it since then, although I have kind of reviewed it. But it has been a long time since any of us have actually read this book found it <laughs> found what <laughs> the text yeah let's hear it nathan's a great guy few people i like better if you want to say yes say yes if not say no this is my profound av- advice there you go that's a good good solid advice and actually more helpful than or, or more more in my camp than i think we were portraying it so then she says we had coffee and he was very nice Ah, and i said uh-uh. cool so you had a good time and she says, yes, he's going to visit me in Chicago at the end of the month. And then Amanda sends a huggy emoji. Oh, mm-hmm. Yep. And I had to bump that visit up significantly because we were becoming very close over the medium of email and text, which is not how I recommend you do it. <sighs> so oh, I did. Look, everybody has their own little. July 31st. Mm-hmm. 3.43 p.m. Yep. A day that will live in Infamy. Famy. Just Famy. Infamy. No, Brandon. Doomsday. <laughs> <laughs> Today we remember our Independence Day. This has been a very weird episode. I am actually tempted to let this just be a weird autobiographical for all three of us episode and, you know, say that's what it is. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. Let's just let's just come back. Let's not false advertise it. Yeah, we won't. But we'll come back and do uh, another episode. Yeah, it'll actually let us go Worth. through Christmas. I yeah. guess. Might as well. Midnight Children kind of deserves three three episodes. Yeah. All right, guys. <laughs> Our baggage took an hour. Wow, Nathan. And I wonder whose baggage that primarily was. <laughs> well, you want to know whose it wasn't. Yours. Or was it mine? Yeah. <laughs> they heard a lot of me, They heard, a, but they heard a whole lot of Nate. Yeah. My, my baggage was a, a lifetime of loving literature. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> that was great. Yeah, man. I like Meredith. That's, that's one of my favorite stories. It's a great story. All right, guys. Let's do some donor shout outs. Oh, what I do. want you guys to do. Jungle noises? No. I want you to hum a piece of music that you think is associated with this person. All right. We'll alternate between the two of you. Brandon, Robert, and Rhonda, the lovebirds. You know that? What is it? It's Claire de la Lune. Oh, of course. Yeah. Uh, the Artful Anthony Dodger, Jake? Hmm. Yeah. Are you done thinking yet? <laughs> We're waiting. <laughs> oh, that, was, that was it. Oh. oh, that was your hum. Oh. Yeah. All right. Little Anthony's Cigar Store. Bum, ba, dum, the immortal Chelsea E. Jake. 
Jimmy Beam and Little Annie Oakley, Brandon. Lily of the Valley. Andrew and Esther the Lovebirds. The Keith Master. David's Mighty Men Trekking. Jay and Katie, who are cold and love cheese and also CS Lewis and Killing, including Till We Have Faces. Fairy Princess of Wonder and Happiness, Mother Beth. Console Prime, Adam. Galactic Princess Emily. Jeremy the Dark Hooded Lord of Death. There really isn't. Nathan, not me. Hmm. I just have to do a song? No. She's coming to get you. Ryan the Red Avenger and Judith of the Ladies of Justice. Danny the Dude. Danny the dude. Oh, um. DJ Sammy G. Eric and Catherine You're from sorry. Yon Window Breaks. <laughs> sorry for what, Nathan? Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Professor Lady X. I'm sorry for both of you guys. <laughs> I'm humming entire <laughs> Professor. I'm, I'm humming entire concertos and sonatas over here, just really, really fast. Maybe da, da, if people da, slow da, it down. What would be cool is if they put all your notes together and they got something. <laughs> What will we send somebody who identifies every one of Brandon's songs correctly? Applause. You know this one? Oh, uh, yeah, now you spoiled it for the people who are trying to guess. Oh, is that what it was? Yeah. Yeah. Da 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 da
Fair and fragrant Maiden Chloe. Six back Zach with a mean attack and Catherine with an act for laying down the smack. Classic hit. The top 40 over there. Anthony was cold and hates life, liberty, and the pursuit of cheese. Did you just do Jeffrey, the Texas Ranger? Rachel. Rachel. That's you, Jake. Leopard Tank Thomas. Oh, yeah. Leopard Tank Thomas. So many options. I'm out. I'm out. Some of them for Lord of the Rings. Midnight Ninja Ellen. And of course, Queen Congetta. Peter Jackson's condescending to yokels. He hates hobbits so much. Hey, speaking of which, folks, get us up to a thousand bucks a month. And we will do Lord of the Rings for the podcast next year. We'll work it all the time. Patreon.com forward slash the booketing. Sign up to support us today. Do it. Thanks for listening, everybody. 